Everyone has to eat. But not everyone gets to chef. From chopping it up with the boys. To flaying other women in your food space of choice. To the dreamers who dared to put locks on pizza. We're talking about the real ones who humbled themselves before the altar of hands and pans. Please don't get my face in this shot. This week we're tearing into... Foodie culture. Okay, wait, let's do that again because that was quite loud. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, so welcome to Bad Press. A podcast about concepts, people, and prop foods the media can't get enough of. We're two washed up runaway digital employees in comics diving into foodie culture, specifically the cult around celebrity chefs, but also everything that's come since, which is a vast economy of food images. Food content, kind of a food ethos. So this episode is a little bit different than what we usually do. We usually focus on a single person who's the recipient of bad press. But today we're kind of mulling over a topic and having a more free-flowing conversation. Okay, let's, uh, let's get into it. Let's do it. Man post food. What, what's interesting to you? <laughs> I am very intrigued by how much of social media for a lot of people became kind of bifurcated between either identifying yourself by images of yourself and or by images of food. I can definitely think of like a lot of people I know who almost exclusively would share, you know, food on their Instagram for the past however many years, but then also like trying to figure out what that means to them and like why they're so fixated on yeah that being like kind of like the lowest common denominator of human experience that they're like (laughs) people are like this i eat you eat we all eat okay so i feel like the phenomenon of how food and your taste and what you eat became Mm -hmm. like worthy of posting on instagram food is such an integral part of the human experience Mm -hmm. that like in kind of like a lizard brain way it's like oh of course you'd post that but then The whole thing about food content, why it is kind of inherently weird is because you can't taste the food. Totally. It's become a visual medium. Yeah. But it's like, are we missing the plot here, people? It was, you know, there are so many other senses that come to mind first, namely taste, then smell, then even touch and like the tactile experience. And I feel like, not I feel like, that's something that only women and perhaps gay men do. (laughs) I'm learning from my wellness podcast. Um, I feel like everyone should be making I feel statements. I know. It's one of those things where it's like, do you like lower our standards to that <laughs> yeah, of the dumb yeah. straight men and just like assert things broadly? Like, or yeah, should we really beginning and ending our statements with I think and then I'm sorry? <laughs> My ex-boyfriend's mom, who is kind of ultimate um, powerful woman. The biggest think, girl boss in the world. Yeah, was I think. Not even kidding. Yeah, I think she like told my ex-boyfriend that it's like. Mariah should stop saying, I feel so much. And I was like, okay, (laughs) I know. I remember the moment when I picked that up in high school from like one of my good girlfriends. And I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. It makes you seem so smart, thoughtful. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm weak. I'm stupid. What did I do? Right before I went to college, like my senior year, my parents sat me down for dinner and were like, we have something we want to talk to you about. And they were like, we think you use like too much. (laughs) 
<laughs> wow, roasted. <laughs> Absolutely torched. Yeah, and they were like, I think moving forward, like in your life, you're going to want to use that less. And I was like, <laughs> And they wouldn't have done that if you were a boy. Yeah. Just going to say it. <laughs> yeah. I know, but it was truly a moment of like, Damn. Damn. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> That's rough. You know, I don't think it's held you back. Yeah. <laughs> Trying every cheesecake at Junior's. The girlies are disordered. Not a lot of conversation has happened around the fact that like, well, yeah, we're inherently sharing food that you can like visually binge on like mm. literally binge netflix yeah. series like now is it cake where it's like you see this food for like a split second and it's literally consumed and thrown away and no one's eating it and like <sighs> i don't know what, what what's going on there people what are we doing i feel like this hadn't like clarified for me exactly until you said that but like i think it, it is like guilt-free consumption you're eating mm. without the calories mm-hmm. And it's also just like mass, like American, yeah. you know, like we food fight in movies. My mom used to always get mad about that. I'd be like, look at this. In other countries, they don't have food and they're staging <laughs> yeah. a scene in high school musical where kids are just throwing sandwiches away. And it's like, it's true. Wow. But now yeah. we have shows where it's like, yeah, people are like <laughs> making cakes and cakes and cakes, massive yeah. cakes. And people are doing it on YouTube channels. I just watched that other show with the really hot French chocolatier guy. Oh, um, the chocolate school? Mm-hmm. Yes. Where he's just like so unbelievably CGI sexy. And <laughs> yeah. he's like, you must make a chocolate egg. And then he like cracks it open and it's like so delectable. Yeah. Anyway, there's a lot there, but we'll get yeah, into yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. So I guess maybe on the point of the connection that I feel like we see between like eating disorders and some food content and kind of this idea of like, the guilt-free binge is that mm. i mean for, we both know yeah. um in our our realm of experience our like, circles the only girls i know that like really watch these videos where people eat like every item from denny's are like all my friends who are battling like eating disorders <laughs> totally totally i was like really just infatuated with you know, all of these like impersonal videos where it's only hands or it's only the food. The hands and pants. Totally the hands, the hands and, and pants. I mean, you know the industry well, Mariah. I know, I know. Thankfully I was laid off and though I did sign an NDA. Okay, yeah. I don't know if <laughs> you wanted to go into that. Agreement. And and we love them. I, yeah, we love them for, we love, for it. We love that. But yeah, I think I can you know, I can speak broadly. Totally. Anyway, sorry. You're in the food yeah. digital video space. I was specifically in the hands and pants space. Hands and pants, hands <laughs> yeah. and pans. And yeah. you've kind of perfected it. You've kind of taken that to high art. Um on your on your back alone. Well, okay, something I will say about the hands and pans that I think is interesting is that like it's like a falsified cooking because mm. I've heard from people that this is like visually relaxing because they put all the ingredients in little bowls. It's like the mise bowls. Mm. And so then when you're making something, it's like all the ingredients have already been pre-portioned and they're in these little tiny delicate bowls that you would never in your life use and like you probably don't have like 10 of them in your house yeah and then it gets like popped in the bowl a lot of the times you don't see like the chopping or like you Mm -hmm. don't see all the like really annoying prep work because everything is already prepped yeah it really like takes all the labor out of it yeah i mean it is pleasant to see yeah um and i it kind of falls in line with i think a lot of social media trends that are not necessarily food but like yeah there's things organized nicely right or like people cutting through things that may or may not be food that it's like pleasant to watch but it is like itching this like borderline asmr but also borderline ocd yeah yeah where it's like this it's itching this scratch. Yeah, it's like hitting the like satisfaction node in our brain. And okay, so we have both worked at like media companies. And I remember they had like this whole thing about like there's a theory of content and every content piece 
that goes viral hits like nostalgia, identity. Ours was called like a pentagram of shareability. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's five points. It was five points. Yeah. And I think maybe it was differently named, but it was more or less like, yeah, emotion, like a fun fact you want to share, mm. um, makes you angry. Knowledge. Yeah. Knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So kind of like reducing it to like the bare minimum of what makes people want to just share your content. I remember like the recipes that did really well at BuzzFeed. It would be like, we made like a Klondike bar and it would be like, this works because it hits like nostalgia because right. and then it's like, what would you, it was like identity or like people would make like a 50 layer lasagna. Uh, so it is very like food entertainment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're novelties. Especially with tasty. I remember because I've made some of the tasty recipes mm. and I remember thinking like. Brave of you. Yeah, it's... So, I mean, the ones that I made, it was like they didn't taste that good. Um, right. And I do think that there is a certain like cheesiness factor mm-hmm. that you see on like a lot of that type of viral video. Because you want the you want the goo, you want the yeah. ooze. Yeah, you're making foods that are geared to like hit some sort of lizard brain. Totally. In your visual space. And Visually. They're, they're not actually necessarily going to be that fulfilling from a taste perspective. You know? Who would have thought? Yeah. But that comes up a lot in the school of chocolate where mm. there's like particularly one contestant, you know, love him. I think his name's Daniel. Shout out. Mm-hmm. Young, I assume queer man, but <laughs> if not, didn't mean to dox you. Yeah. <laughs> but he's like an amazing, incredibly gifted sculptor, like makes this like really complex, large chameleon. Wait, within, is he the young one? Yeah. Yes. Within okay. moments with like everyone yeah. else is still just like making their chocolate. And he already has like a full like life, more than life sized chameleon made. But then like. It gets to week seven and he's like, okay, but I need your food to taste good (laughs) this week. It needs to taste good. And he's like, okay, I'm going to really focus on making something that tastes good. And I was like, what? This hasn't been tasting good? Yeah, this whole time. (laughs) This whole time? (laughs) What are you doing? Yeah. I mean, actually, the chocolate show is kind of funny because there's like an Iraq war veteran woman who is (gasps) The one type A person who's like, the whole thing is like, this is not the competition. This is a school and we will all learn. And at the end, (laughs) there might be a prize. And she's like, this is a competition. I will annihilate you. Yeah, I think the first week or the first second week, she gets knocked and she doesn't get to like participate in the challenge because she she places like too low. Mm. And it is wild to see a veteran breakdown. <laughs> like I see like <laughs> Yeah, know. it is tough. It is tough. Yeah. She's been through so much and yet this is what breaks her. Yeah. It is also like wild because she will also be like, I think on team challenges, she's like, we have a saying in the army, no man gets left behind. And it's like, okay. All right. I mean, we all knew that one. (laughs) Did you really go? Now I'm questioning it all. I know. And it's like, we don't need to bring that to the chocolatier space. (laughs) Man in hat culture. Looking back at these like books who brought in the era of the big celeb chef yeah like wolfgang puck like marco pierre white who wrote that book white heat that kind of gave birth really been erased by kitchen confidential it was i know like Like, that was kind of like the like british office to kitchen confidential's u.s office i know follow my crazy out like (laughs) analogies here i'm i'm drawing really complex webs but uh Anthony Bourdain, I think, wrote that 10 years exactly after, like it was 1990 for White Heat. And then 2000, he wrote Mm -hmm. Kitchen Confidential. Marco Pierre White, like look up photos. I mean, the book was photo heavy for a Mm. reason because he just like is the like Johnny Depp pirate, serious, hot, tatted, like stringy haired Italian British chef who was like 
kooky and like quote unquote funny in a mean way I think was the vibe and with like if a chef fucked up he would like literally like pick them up and put them in a trash can or like yeah. hang them from hooks by their apron yeah and like make them stand in the corner and look at the corner for some time he trained Gordon Ramsay he trained Mario Vitale it's funny that Gordon Ramsay for being maybe because he's a, like a publicly mean person but it is odd that it's like he's had no cancelable like is he really is he actually like kind of a stand-up professional <laughs> he's had like no scandals of like I know. I feel workplace like, harassment I feel like he's really like trained by this horrible man yeah. and is like knows how to do that drag so well probably yeah. from like complaining about him to everyone in his life for yeah. years yeah. and so he's like my show will be like that but like I do think he's from what I've heard as well like pretty like chill in real life wow or okay. like i don't know if chills the word but yeah. like kind because okay. <laughs> <laughs> he does seem like he's doing a lot so yeah okay so we read a lot of articles about chef culture the evolution of chefs mm-hmm. wolfgang puck comes a little bit before white heat yeah and he isn't necessarily trying to be quote-unquote healthy or like back to the earth but he yeah. is taking like French techniques, like world cuisine ideas Mm -hmm. that I think a lot of Americans were still only like vaguely familiar with various Asian culinary traditions, Mm -hmm. you know, Latin American, et cetera, et cetera. And like mixing them with just like the garishness of American food (laughs) in a way that was like, here is a pizza with like locks and cream cheese on it. And it stuck out to me. And I was like, that's crazy that that was popular. (laughs) You know, I had it uh, literally an hour before I <laughs> watched the Disney Plus documentary, yeah. I, I was at a restaurant that I learned was his restaurant. I had it and it was delicious. Okay. Well, it was actually amazing. Okay. <laughs> so like, I get why this put you on the map. Yeah. But like, cool that he's still serving it and isn't like, you know, this is my most popular song. I'm not going to play it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, circling back, I do feel like he was the like big Hollywood financiers he was like the glitz and glam of like the 80s celeb okay. culture and you know his rise to fame was because his restaurant um spago was like the spot in la if you look at photos of it it's like grace jones and then like tom cruise and then like brooke shields and like mm-hmm. whoever the hell else was every single table was a celebrity you know what mm-hmm. i mean it wasn't like anyone could just walk in there yeah so it became the scene and he became kind of a fixture of the restaurant and like walking around and it became this idea for the first time of like he invented the walk around <laughs> yeah of like the glam celeb chef yeah. doing it all being on tv and news shows like people mm-hmm. actually cared about what the chef had to say and it was like yeah he hangs out with like all the cool kids yeah what did you think of the movie i didn't i haven't watched it (laughs) so for all honestly the respect i have for what he did like it does seem like he is you know a good family man but uh i think the documentary was poorly made (laughs) it's like it was kind of hack it was not a documentary in my opinion yeah it was was very much a promo piece that felt like something you know a celebrity's estate would make at the like memorial museum that you would watch by the gift shop about their life you know what i mean it was just like really putting him on a pedestal and like revering him in a way that would have been okay if they put some context in other parts of the film but it was really just like only him steaming ahead tunnel vision like this man is great. Let's build a monument to him. Damn. That I was say, the vibe. Wolfgang does not mean that much to me. So right. I'm impressed that they sold a documentary about this to Disney Plus because I'm like, yeah. he does not have that cultural yeah. resonance for me. But, um, you know. He didn't for me either. And then, like, I think. Like, I would watch somebody else's puff piece, but, like. Totally. I don't. 
I don't need his. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was what was odd to me was that I was learning about this all for the first time, kind of. Yeah. Like, I don't think we we were maybe just too young to really get that because yeah. by the time we were coming up, like, his products were just being sold in the freezer aisle at, like, every grocery yeah. store. I mostly remember, like, Wolfgang Puck from the airport. Right. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. it was, like, gone full consumer mainstream. Yeah. I mean, granted, it was the best place at the no, airport. Like, at fucking that, delicious. Yeah, at that point in time. Yeah. The game has, like, risen considerably since then. But. Exactly. Like, he was, you know, kind of, like, pre-Emerald. Like, I got that vibe, but mm-hmm. I didn't realize how much he made that mold. Yeah. So I respected learning about that, but it was also, like, okay, if this is the attitude you're going to treat it with still, like, I understand how this like ego of the rock star celebrity chef like got out of hand and like you really don't need to like worship the person leading your kitchen like it's it really is a collective effort and they didn't reflect that and i think that's the conversation today but the documentary like was also made like in the past two years and like you should reflect that barbara lazaroff wolfgang pucks Mm -hmm. uh second wife who he was with through basically all of spago like all accounts really showed that she did a lot of work and pushed that forward and basically managed his career on that side. Very Chris Jenner. Very Chris Jenner. Yeah. And, you know, she's in the documentary and like speaks to it, but it does still feel like it's such <laughs> a. Yeah. She talks a bit and they like, they, they, they nod to how much work she put in. And like, I think she literally says it. Yeah. But it's still <laughs> very like, she's like, I did so much work. Totally. There's like holds a personality around yeah. him when it's like, she's like, you know, the mom keeping everyone like clothed and fed and like yeah. getting them places and then also like doing the work for them too. Mm. Like it just seems like shout out to your mom. Gina. Shout out to the moms. Yeah. My mom specifically. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it just seems like a common trend here where these mm. big personality men are like overworked and so tired and like have no patience for niceties and like we'll snap at any minute and maybe stab you in the kitchen. Yeah. But it's like, maybe don't do that. Like maybe we could do this a different way. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like a general, like great man thing. Mm. Obviously there's a problem with that. There's a little problem yeah, there. Yeah. And it'll like, it's not really a sustainable enterprise because it's all like built on one person. We stand with Chrissy Teigen. Okay, I also wanted to kind of talk about the, uh, I mean, I, I did want to bring up Alison Roman. <laughs> I kind of don't even think she needs an explainer because I feel like it's like, we know. Like she's so, we know. It's like, we know. There's like a bunch of stuff. Yeah. The thing that I have been thinking about with her in particular, I think that like the emotional resonance behind what some people really don't like about her is that mm. she embodies whiteness in a way that yeah is some of it is her own fault and some of it i'm like okay it just is kind of matching up she just like is that yeah, yeah. does that like resonate with you yeah or do you think i think there's like, also like put it on the kind of galaxy brain timeline yeah. of all the random like pieces of media i yeah. was trying to consume around this her journey into new york just like working kitchens and like earn her stripes um for one i actually like didn't know that about her until i went into it so like kudos yeah, yeah. <laughs> respect yeah. that yeah but also like really aligns with the sweet bitter book mm. uh which became a showtime series that we loved morning guys water 24 faster restock soup spoon 27 you know nothing about service howard did not just give you a job he invited you to trade you know nothing about wine it's not a shot well what do you want to be i don't know new york i love you but you're freaking me out <laughs> <laughs> I think 
I did read Sweet Bitter when I was working like mm. for of house, and I was like, oh, sexy. But I mean, it it, it does it is really sexy. It is it, sexy. Yeah. Um, and 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 there are notes on like I think you could probably speak to more things that didn't translate from the book to the show or like. Mm, I mean, the book is pretty bad. Okay. <laughs> like, Notable. Be, this is all me reading like, articles yeah. about it, but yeah. Um, I think it's like a sexy fun book, right, but right. then it's like they bring in these things about like art and statements, and I'm like, oh no. Oh, I see. Okay. It's not what this is doing. Ooh, okay. Well, the authors <laughs> I read yeah. um, were like, the show missed all that fun stuff about the art oh, and how uh, food is sex and like whatever. But I'm like, maybe. I think there's a lot of sex in the show. Right. But I guess yeah. the food isn't sex. Yeah. The sex is the sex. I don't know. I mean, for me, I'm like, <laughs> this is kind of what. For me, I was like, this clicks. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also like a totally different um, yeah. medium. So all tracks, all tracks. Yeah. But that being said, I do think early like. 2010s, late 2000s, mm-hmm. there was that moment when Alison Roman got on the train of food writing. Food influencers. Food influencers. Digital media was just a seed in people's minds. Yeah. And there's a lot of space to take off with it. Yeah. And like ultimately, Alison ends up at Bon Appetit. Forgot. Her big thing is that, like, in the Hands and Pans videos, she would mm. always get this, like, red orange gel manicure, which speaks to like a branding thing which is kind of interesting a food stylist actually make i think it's like 800 or 900 a day for just like editorial no shoots, way which I was like, damn yeah it's a good day right wow not that that's undeserved by any means i'm just saying like, yeah, yeah yeah <laughs> okay also every time i see allison roman i'm like i forget i will never remember she, her face yeah it's interesting because it's like she is very beautiful but it's like i always think she looks slightly different mm-hmm. than she does she's bella thorne yeah the, yeah. the, the like permahu yeah she just has like that uh branding ethos of like i'm throwing a dinner party and like mm, i guess it's yeah. dinner party culture it's very it's young kind of, like, yuppie just like yeah. i'm yeah i'm in the city i have some money i'm after work i'm gonna do it yeah which is like not a lived experience i have <laughs> even though right. i am very much of that ilk no it is weird because anyone working her actual job as yeah. we kind of have in different ways yeah would know that like you actually don't have the time or usually really the money to like put together this nice dinner party after you get home from like grinding your bones down either in a kitchen or at a digital media office. Like both are like not really with the lifestyle. So it's for kind of someone else, right? It's probably for someone. I don't, I mean, it's aspirational. I think that's the thing. Yeah. I I mean, we know, you're throwing dinner parties but i think they're it's out like, here every, every I think, week i mean i don't know them i guess the only people that i think are having dinner parties are people who are not doing anything else outside of work and like this is your one thing is that you throw a dinner party like once a week yeah and you it takes and so much time it does take so much time and yeah. also like you know you have to have the time plus enough money to do yeah, it it's which is like six people is kind of i mean it's expensive it's expensive yeah. it is it is and to like it feels like something that was sold to us in like rom-coms yeah. And like Devil Wears Prada. The, the dinner party. Also, yeah. every time I've tried to cook for people, it's been incredibly stressful. Right. It's yeah. not like a chill yeah. experience. Yeah. Um, but, you know, maybe we're just fundamentally broken. Right? Yeah. <laughs> As a whole, there's something about like foodie culture that I think is kind of bad. It feels like it feeds into like an aspirational lifestyle that is kind of impossible to uphold. And I really like cooking. And it's like some of the food stuff is great. And like sometimes you read these great recipes and 
like you incorporate them into your life and it makes your life better right. or like it brings me like joy and kind of like a connectedness but i also think for me it's created a certain like preciousness around food and like a heightened anxiety that i really do not like yeah sometimes you make like this beautiful meal and other times it's like yeah you're gonna have two frozen burritos and like that's totally fine yeah yeah, yeah. Or you have like carrots and like some cheese and you're like, that's dinner. And like, that's, we just roll with good. it. That's good. Yeah. yeah. I know. It's like not every meal is going to be picture perfect. Yeah. Uh, and in, in fact, none of them yeah. will be some, some weeks, some months. I mean, there's like an elitism, a classism, yeah. but it's also even. It's like a preciousness about it. Yeah, it is a preciousness. It's, it feels very just like Victorian like bourgeoisie you know and like who is who is doing that unless you have you know a salt mill in upstate new york and nothing to do but farm shots fired (laughs) no truly aspirational but it's like damn can't do that in new york city yeah um and most people like kind of in any city kind of don't have that that option i feel like that comes around then when allison roman gets ultimately blown up for the most glaring racial faux pas she ultimately makes yeah because there is just that feeling of like resentment for these influencers who are selling a lifestyle who no one can live up to i think even up until like 18 months ago there wasn't this like threshold of people having the language to say why social media is making us all unwell. Yeah. So you would just lash out when yeah. someone does something so identifiably bad. Yeah. Like what was it ultimately the the dish, the Asian dish that she co-opted and like tried to say was quote unquote new? Was, I think it was the stew. It was a stew. The yeah. stew was the controversy because mm-hmm. I think it was like a curry. I also don't know enough food to like really distinguish between them, but a lot of people read it and identified it as a curry Mm -hmm. and she was calling it the stew. And then it's like, okay, so it it feels like a kind of clear example of like whitewashing. And then a lot of the controversy with her like interviews and whatnot, I think speaks to like a certain white brash ignorance that usually goes unchecked. I think on the whole, like where we're at, Especially today. Yeah. What she did is not that bad. (laughs) And like, it was just kind of careless. Yeah. Um, And like, if I'm going to be like, you know, sympathetic as someone who has also worked in like a really toxic, like high output media space, it's like, yeah, we don't have time to cook her meals in real life. And like, she probably didn't have time to write something better. (laughs) Not going to lie. She's like on deadline. Like, okay, what are we going to call this? The stew even specific to her but just like a lot of these media flubs and like okay it is so like somebody just in an office was like fuck it like yeah. i want to go to dinner like i know we've all been know? there and it's, it's like, like if you work in media that is a responsibility you are wielding like a power mm. but i feel like the day-to-day of it it's like damn generally you're like really not making very much money and you're yeah. also just like turning shit just out another it's shitty like, day at the office yeah. you can see where this happens <laughs> yeah even if you're not quote-unquote working in media like Right. Like everyone, everyone's expected to be in social media on some level. Yeah. That being said, yeah, I do think like the way the discourse spun out from there was just like entertaining in a way, just because it's like, okay, we're tagging in Chrissy Teigen. We're we're tagging in Marie Kondo. It's like, girl, what? (laughs) The girls Um, are fighting. Yeah. For her, I think it was, you became a symbol of this thing. Totally. And... I don't know, know. there's other people like, I feel like Brad from Bon Appetit could also have been like a symbol of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he does not have these flubs. I mean, he does have his pastrami scandal with the like botulism, but like, he's making so many videos. Like, on some level, it's like, yeah. What did you expect? He's running out of ideas. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. It's like, you just want more and more. He's not going to be like, uh, he's not a pastrami specialist. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of unsustainable to expect people to just keep churning out this much food for us to consume. Yeah. 
it's not going to be novel every time we're going to like it's like the kind of inverse of the ideal that's presented by these social media era foodie experiences online is that like you are making something beautiful and special every day and yeah. like different innovative fusion each day a new yeah. recipe each day when like on the other hand you have like gym rat like robot boys which yeah. i mean shout out love and support to all of yeah. you <laughs> you know i understand that disordered eating looks many different ways so yeah. not putting hate there but like you know my my ex was one of them and like you eat the same exact meal yes. every single day brown rice chicken just like lightly baked chicken with like a little black pepper and then like some Bro- brussels yeah or broccoli like whatever yeah. your green is yeah this guy and at Mental i worked with every day he ate turkey meat rice and broccoli every single classic meal. combo yeah i mean yeah just like simple quote-unquote clean yeah carb green chicken and then it also plays into kind of lazy slash like efficiency oriented yeah. boys like specifically like straight white boys but not at all exclusively who like yeah. go to the gym every day go to work and like want to not think about food at all which i respect I but respect. it's I'm, so I'm far like the how, other yeah, pendulum it's funny it's like do they not feel like an insane guilt to make like a beautiful salad every day it's actually beautiful that they are so free i feel like globally a lot of people eat the same thing every day and that that's like totally fine and yet i feel this weird guilt doing it yeah. i'm like i live in new I mean, york like, city baby growing up it's like I, my mom made like i mean and it was my mom yeah it was like she made like five things you know and it's mm. like we we really just had those five things over and over again that's a good point like yeah. i mean i think it was a little different in my household but it's only because we would order out maybe like half the week oh interesting yeah, and then really but yeah then like the the nights that my mom would cook and like my dad would usually just cook on like holidays and and like yeah. s- like sundays <laughs> celebrity guests yeah celebrity yeah. guests come in yeah. kind of like just absolutely <laughs> slay the game yeah. and then bow out yeah. and not clean up the kitchen yeah. oh my god wait that's so funny it's like your mom can't do like a showstopper because she's been grinding yeah she's like, like fucking worn down to yeah. her bones yeah. and he gets to come in fully rested yeah. and charged and yeah. just like and like put like a ham down on the table yeah hit a grand slam yeah. um yeah so that's kind of the dynamic but it was like still like i yeah. mean yeah, there was variety, but it was like she had like her like good like five to ten recipes under her belt, and then like we would order you know Chinese pizza, blah blah blah, Mexican. After that, after that, made its way to Staten Island <laughs> yeah. when I was twelve. Yeah, yeah. I think as also a single person living in a city, cooking for one person. Oh my god, cook, to cook for one is insane. It's not efficient cost wise for yeah. one. Flashback to the pandemic when I was locked in my apartment with my roommate uh, Jess and her partner, <laughs> and they would make these elaborate meals for each other, and I was in the corner like seething. Oh my god! <laughs> and I was like, "Damn, you're not gonna offer me like a bowl of rice, bitch!" Like, <laughs> no, it's a couples thing, babe. Yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, they gotta guard their love, yeah. <laughs> hot commodity. Maybe we need to like start Brooklyn dinner clubs for like. I know. I mean, co-op living. That's co-op like, living. Yeah. But like, just a co-op where you can just go to dinner. An eating club. <laughs> An eating club. An eating club. Wow. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. There is no Allison Roman of auto parts. I think it's interesting that like food media feels like it has been a particular lightning rod for representation, identity, and racism. I guess it's because food feels personal and a little bit more tangible than some other Mm. things, but that's kind of the only explanation I can think of. 
And maybe it's because it's like media is inherently going to be more interested in stuff that's happening in other media outlets. Right, right. That's like who people know and who people have worked for and it's snake eating its tail as opposed to like racism at like the Ford Motors plants. Mm -hmm. But like there is not like an Allison Roman of like auto parts. I mean, if you look at like the Bon Appetit of it all, high profile and glam, Mm -hmm. it was just a lot of like cutting down that culture and that whole like lifestyle appeal. And it became just such a stand in for luxury consumer culture. It's like post recession. It's like, yeah. I mean, you can't buy a home, so, like, I guess you can have this, like, $50 salad. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, like a gold-covered burger. What could be more luxurious than the consumption of something that retains no value after eating? So true. Back to man and hat culture. It's funny, in... 1999, actually, Marco White bowed out of the game, gave back all of his Michelin stars and like a real like fucking Dave Chappelle going Africa move. And then the next year, 2000 is when he did his transphobic special. Yeah. (laughs) Came back. He drops his Netflix special. Kind of a tight 90 (laughs) under his belt. But there was an interesting handoff culturally there between the two of them. Wait, so why did he gave up his Michelin stars? What did he do? Yeah, he was just kind of like, you know, this is stressful. I'm worked to the bone. Like, Mm -hmm. this seems rough because it is rough. This isn't like easy work. Yeah. And it's like, damn, yeah, I see it. I get it. Like, Mm -hmm. you seem like you're smoking cigarettes and like screaming at people and physically assaulting them on a daily basis. And then seeing, though, that the 2021 book that came out, Hungry, about chef Renee. 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 The Noma guy. The Noma guy. You know, the the Noma guy who runs nominally the best restaurant in the world yeah. in Copenhagen and kind of like birthed the like locavore farm to table yeah. modern movement at least. Okay I will say the book makes a big deal about how he's like embracing local things like an eco sustainable thing but then it's also like he's shipping fish via helicopter and I'm like <laughs> <laughs> so they can be like so fresh and it's like that is not sustainable. Yeah <laughs> I know it's stuff that could only happen at like the most praised restaurant in the world yeah also once again the thing that came through in the book like he was also horrible to everyone who worked for him he would line them up and like scream fuck you and all their faces one by one in a line yeah he's like i want you to cook angry you know how they love to say that yeah and i'm like okay maybe try cooking friendly (laughs) try that yeah and then enter samin nostrat her new (laughs) york times her scandal to drop (laughs) god don't you dare i will protect her with my body You know, we all, I'm sure, saw Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, Mm, mm, the book, mm. a New York Times bestseller, the series, a Netflix banger. She (laughs) kind of put Berkeley on her back and said, Chez Panisse, let me show you how it's really dope. She does, I think, make room in this culinary space for just like respect for like patient craft and like not having to like force things down your throat Mm. just even in the way she delivers the information it just felt so much more therapeutic and like tantric Mm. and willing to sit still for a Mm. second and like admit that like the most delicious shit is like the ugliest and like the piece of rice that fell on the counter like those little poetic things she throws in there i feel like wow i'm like so jaded i'm like oh my god you're like i hate that (laughs) but after reading all of this i kind of revisited her Mm, through the eater article that i roll did say that she's like the first marxist in the kitchen or something i do feel like you know anytime we have like a one person brand it's like well yeah 
it's like she's a host. She's still a you host. Know? And, he, and it's, it's like true. we're requiring everybody to make their personalities into like their economic welfare. So yeah. it is like. No, I couldn't tough. agree. I couldn't agree more with yeah. that. I, I didn't get the sense that she's screaming at people in the kitchen, but maybe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying here. Besides that, we're seeing more options that maybe reflect the personality types and worldviews that people want to embody with food, but it still is very driven by this like competitive nature where it's like, I feel like most of history women have been making food and and shout out to the girls girls. (laughs) and like, yeah, it was not this like capitalistic endeavor. It was making, making food for people you fucking love. Okay. You fucking love them. And you want to just make the food and guess what? All the girlies are going to come through and it's going to be collaborative. We Mm. love it. But I guess like the true alternative to that in theory is hands and pans, literally like removing the personality from it and like putting no person in front of the camera. Yeah. Like, that does feel like, in some ways, the solution to that culture. But then you get things like, is it cake? Which I, like, kind of fully enjoyed and loved. Mm -hmm. This is a bowling ball. And this is a cake. What? The show is insane. But also, it's like the commercialization or like the corporatization of camp. You know what I mean? Whereas like post-Met Gala, everyone in like all these fucking marketing firms was like, oh, people like that. Be cookie. Be weird. Make no sense. Make it, make it, make it weird. Yeah. I mean, it is very like algorithm provides entertainment, which I mean, I wasn't as compelled by it. I think because I feel like I could always tell what the fake was. I was like, it's, it's like, they're also 50 feet away. A lot of camera tricks. Yeah. It's like, they don't, show you that. I feel like they didn't look that similar because the judges can only see it from 50 feet away so it's like they can barely see the item. (laughs) I know. It's like they have 20 seconds and they're standing like half a football field away from it. Yeah. So like no shit you can't tell. Yeah. And then even the camera work for us at home it's like they really, they really do they not, don't they do sit not on anything yeah. for more than a second and it's yeah. kind of far away. Yeah, um, so I feel like they like finally made it and then the producers were like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, we gotta do some finesse in the yeah. edit and boof. Controversial take, but maybe like Emily Mariko, the like TikTok food girl, her stuff is like kind of so low grade iPhone footage. I mean, she she literally is an influencer, but the yeah. way that she prepares food in like the microwave and she makes her little like salmon dishes, I think is like one of the more realistic portrayals of what it is I, like to cook something. Yeah, I, I do love those videos. And I think that they're so like I, I almost watch it. And I'm like, I don't know why this is interesting because mm-hmm. it is so pared down. Yeah, I think that that's kind of the place that feels the most authentic to the moment we're at, at least. Yeah. I don't know if this is going nice. to have lasting. Power. And it's literally she's making like salmon lunch bowls yeah. and it's like okay I've, well that's sick yeah <laughs> I've seen those and like yeah. also just like people making yeah just really simple sandwiches and like yeah. things that you literally can and will make which I wonder if that came out of the pandemic where it's like you know people don't have as many options to go out yeah or order in things that are as elaborate so it's like you're just gonna be cooking home more, so let's be yeah. real. I don't and know. Let's be real. I and don't like, know. let's make something that doesn't take like hours and that like will fill you up, and like you can just kind of move on with your life. Yeah, like being real about the um, utilitarian use of food, but then that begs the question: like, why film it? Yeah, damn, damn, <laughs> damn. Why damn. don't you put the iPhone on and eat? Yeah, Gally. yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know. Respect to to all my disordered eaters out there. I yeah. I'm I ride with you. Yeah. I, I ride with you. Um, even as I myself do not suffer. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right, well, Mariah. I think I think it's good we, note to end yeah, on. I think it's good note to end. Okay. okay. Well, munch munch. See you soon. Crunch crunch. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.